0: I'd like you to take your Bibles this morning as we begin our message and turn to Matthew chapter 16 once again It's been a few weeks in between since we've last read this text the text of the series that I've been doing here Matthew 16 and we'll just read verses 11 and 12 again There we find Yahshua speaking and he says how is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Of course, as we know earlier in this chapter, the, he had warned them of that, he'd given them that very same warning, but somehow the apostles didn't understand and obviously took it to mean that he, they weren't to buy bread from the Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, as I say that, I think, uh, you know, our people today haven't even taken it that far to, to take the warning as far as the apostles did initially, regretfully. But obviously, that was not what, what Yahshua, our Lord, had in mind when he told the apostles to beware of the, of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And after he said it the second time, the apostles then understood. For in verse 12 it says, Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This will be Beware of the Leaven of the Pharisees, part 4. In the previous messages, the three previous messages that I've brought to you over the last few weeks, we uh, discovered at least these two major points. First of all, that the Pharisees and their eleven are alive and well today, and regretfully so many don't understand that or are not aware of that. Also, that Phariseeism, in light of what I just shared with you, in that Phariseeism became Talmudism which became Judaism. Let me share with you a quote that I uh, a new quote that I hadn't heard or read myself before in this regards, uh, just to prove that point once again with another quote. This one from Dr. Benjamin Friedman, himself a Jew, in his book, Facts or Facts. page fifty eight, he says, Talmudism, as Phariseeism was called later, would have disappeared. With all its contemporary creeds and cults, but for the conversion of the Khazars to Talmudism in the 7th century. At that time, Talmudism was well on its way towards complete oblivion. End quote So he says, we wouldn't even have Talmudism, and as a result, we wouldn't have Phariseeism today, had it not been for the conversion of the Khazar kingdom back in the 7th century. Now, let me ask you, in light of what I've shared with you in. Uh, Last The last message or the one previous to that. What are the Khazars? What are they? Well, that's who they are or who they were before they took on the name of being Jews and took on the religion of Judaism. But what are they in, re- in relation to the fact that that's what they were and, and they became something else? No, they weren't. There, wasn't, there may have been a little Edomite blood, but they were primarily uh, Mongol-Turkish through Japheth's line. But Edom was certainly mixed in with or through intermarriage. No, what I'm, what I'm trying to uh, lead to is that they were proselytes to Phariseeism. And I bring that out again because I want to bring out the point that is found in, in Yahshua's statement in Matthew 23:15, when he said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Because you travel about on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Now the reason I bring that out again, because I think it needs to be pointed out again, that if anything, we have twice as much reason to beware today. Because he said, the proselytes become twice the sons of hell. And he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. If they're twice the sons of hell, then there's twice as much reason for, to, for us today, if they exist today, as we know they do, in Judaism, in Jewry. There is twice the reason for us to beware today as there was in his day. Now, question I've brought out before as well. Are the people today, are our people today, heeding the warning? Well, of course, not hardly. For they are not beware, for they're not even aware, for the most part, that Talmudism or Phariseeism is today existing in modern Judaism. And as a result, we have fallen prey in this country and throughout, I'm sure, most of the rest of the world. We have fallen prey to the very thing that Yahshua himself warned us against. We have fallen prey to the leaven. Of The pharisees well, how how has that happened? Well, as proven in the last two messages one of the primary means of they're doing so And let me say let me share this before I I share this primary means or remind us of what we've covered in the past That what I've covered in the last three messages primarily the last two messages and what I'm going to cover in this message Is just some of the primary areas where they're where they're doing their leavening effects specifically focusing in on teeth when we think of their the leavening as being their teaching, but their leavening effect is throughout so much, the medical society and, and uh, um, science and you name it, and their leavening has been in there. or just We can just about say you name it, and it's there. Uh, as I pointed out using Henry Ford Ford's quote, at least he believed that their leavening effect was in almost all of it, it had uh, permeated throughout. But how is it happening as, as I've shown or proven in, in the last two messages? Pro, as proven in our last two messages, one of the primary means of doing so is through their nearly total Jewish control of our media. And included in that, and what I, uh, even though I may not have mentioned them specifically in great detail, but included in my thinking when I say media today is, of course, TV, radio, news services, publishing houses, magazines and newspapers that they have control remember protocol number seven in article five where they said public a quote public opinion secretly prompted by us through the means of the so-called great power the press which with few exceptions that may be disregarded are already entirely in our hands end quote they already claimed control as i mentioned before in 1897 when that first zionist congress in Basel, switzerland took place and Theodore Herzl delivered the addresses that are now contained in the proto- as in the written protocols as we have available today you know those you think about that control that uh, I can't think of the word the word that uh, they're they're just uh, that Emphasizes the 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 effect of their control the amount of control that they have just in those areas that we've already covered You know those areas in their control alone would be enough for them to have a tremendous effect in their leavening of a society but their control and pervasive influence certainly does not end there there's three more areas that I want to try to cover in today's message that they also control as well they're very related to what we've already covered um, through which they continue to work they're leavening in a very, very effective way. Those three areas, the areas that I hope to cover today is in television. Now we've already covered TV as far as the media is concerned, and in that regards, it was primarily regarding the news uh, services of, of TV. But I'm, in today's message, I want to deal primarily with television programming, also the theater and then Hollywood. And when I say Hollywood, Hollywood, of course takes in TV, but when I say Hollywood, I want you to know that I'm specifically talking about the movies let's begin with TV now I've already provided documentation in the last two messages which proves that that which proved that all three major networks are are owned and or controlled by Jews let me share with you uh, a couple other quotes just so I don't have to read go over all of that A couple new quotes I haven't shared with you in the past uh, that proves the same thing and this is by their own admission this time for example, I'm going to be reading out of uh, James Brueggemann's book, Television's VCRs and Christians, and I want to give him credit that he did a lot of the homework for me that I so I wouldn't have to. He came up with a lot of the quotes, or at least several of the quotes that I'll be using in this message. On page 7 of his book, he quotes Alfred Leithenthal, a Jew, from his book The Zionist Connection II. Let me share with you at least part of the quote from him. He said, In radio and television, again, one finds an almost overwhelming presence of key Jews. Chairman of the board of CBS until very recently was William Paley. Now, um, parentheses, James has added, now Lawrence Tishman, who also owns Lowe's Hotels, uh, who is also a Jew. And then uh, Leithenthal continues RCA's David and Robert Sarnoff for a long time ran their subsidiary, the National Broadcasting Company, NBC. Whose present chairman is Julian Goodman and Leonard Goldenson headed the American broads- Broadcasting Company, which of course is ABC, until succeeded by Fred Silverman. Virtually all natural, excuse me, virtually all national and international news is filtered, edited, and broadcast by these three corporations. End quote. Who said that? I didn't say it. Alfred Leithenthal, a Jew himself admits that that is the case. Here's another one uh, from. Uh, A man by the name of Ben Stein, in a book he wrote which is entitled A View from Sunset Boulevard. Let's see if I can find the quote here. Okay, he says, quote, A distinct majority, uh, speaking of television writers and producers, a distinct majority, especially of the writers of situational comedies, or what we sometimes know as sitcoms, Is Jewish a large number come from New York City end quote. So again, we have based on the uh, Testimony or the admissions of different Jews the fact and it's easily discovered anyway the fact that Hollywood or and As we're talking about specifically TV the TV moguls You ever heard that term before the TV moguls or the Hollywood moguls, you know where mogul comes from by the way I'll just add this in for extra comes from Mongols comes from the word Mongols doesn't that fit? That those who are in control of Hollywood and TV and so forth are those who are descendants from the Mongols, the Turkish Mongols, the Khazars, who are now called Jews today. That's pretty good. Anyway, here those are admissions from those men of the fact that's easily discovered by anybody that Hollywood and TV today is, uh, for the most part, Jewish, totally Jewish-controlled. Now, the question comes to this, that that is an easily proven fact. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But the question comes are we as a people being leavened by and through what we watch on TV they're in control but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're being leavened by and through their religious philosophies is that happening today is a question that needs to be asked there's another way to actually ask that question as well that is that we should probably ask are we as a people being corrupted by what we watch what by what we are watching on television today Well, first 1 Corinthians 1533 tells us Paul writes there and says bad company corrupts good morals Bad company cups good, good morals. Let me ask you who is America keeping company with today? Well, let me share a couple Surveys done here's one that was that comes from James Brueggemann's kingdom Chronicle Uh, About a year ago an article therein which uh, or a news clipping that he uh, reprinted in his Periodical entitled wean kids from television the only thing they do more than watch TV is sleep First paragraph it says the recent survey by the AC Nielsen company which measures television viewing was alarming but not surprising according to a report in insight magazine the company estimates that children aged two to five this course is on an the average American family Children aged 2 to 5 watch roughly 25 hours of TV per week Children 6 to 11 watch just over 22 hours per week So it went down a little bit in that age group, but it, it jumped again back to a higher level for the next age group Adolescents aged 12 to 17 years watch 23 hours a week. and That's the average So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of children that are watching a whole lot more television than that Here's one that uh, a news clipping that I had in my file called Americans watch TV nearly 50 hours a week this was uh, In a uh, paper dated January 7th 1988 from the Associated Press It says New York Americans have more televisions than ever. Now, let me go to the next paragraph According to again the Nielsen's figures The average US family by the way the article in James Brueggemann that the one he, he uh, reprinted was in 19. 19- uh, believe either 1989 or 1990 figures. This is a little bit different. It says uh, in 1988 It says according to Nielsen figures the average US family watched 49 hours and 48 minutes of television per week in 1987 more than seven hours a day that was less than in 1986 when the average household logged 50 hours and 16 minutes in viewing per week not much difference 1985 it was an even 50 hours so between 1985 and 1987 it was basically the same about 50 hours a week for the average family in front of in front of the boob tube Now you may be well, what's the difference? Well, probably you add in VCRs and, and the other things that are available and we're talking about only children in this particular Report and the whole family in this report probably makes up the difference Well, we can see from that and I'm sure it's that much or more today uh, uh five Five years or so later, that it's got to be at least that much or more that uh, that American families are are sharing or spending company with in front of the t- TV tube. So who's America keeping company with? Well, at least part of the company, they're part of the company that they're they're uh, fellowshipping with is that TV screen or what's found on the TV screen. Now the question, of course, then comes: Well, so they're sharing company with it. Bad company is what corrupts good morals. Not good company. Is it bad company? Of course, is there any question? You know, to the average person, now maybe I shouldn't say that. To the average American, they may not know that it's bad company. We've become so immoral, and the question, of course, comes back: Why? Are, why have we become so immoral? Why are we so insensitized to what is going on in our country or what is going on on our on our TV screens today? But is it bad company? Well, let's see if we can't prove the fact that it is. The reader the readers digest reported in one of their issues that quote it was a wild week on television. One channel showed the 10 commandments and the other channels were breaking six of them. And of course, it's not every week that they show the 10 commandments. So the majority of the time is spent in programming that's breaking six or 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 of the commandments. There was one fellow once said to his buddy he said they say that garbage can be made into gasoline and his buddy responded in answering to him and says why not it's already being made into movies books and TV shows (laughs) Isn't that the truth? The Harvard University's project of human sexual development um, did a study into television's influence on the sexual lives of Of Americans specifically young people. This is some of what they discovered 70% of all allusions to intercourse on TV occurs between unmarried (coughs) couples or involves a prostitute 70% on television Also much of television's erotic activity involves violence against women Um, You know if anybody ought to be up in arms about what goes on on television. It ought to be the women today um Seems like they can only get up in arms about things that they really shouldn't be up in arms about today And they ought to be trying to have an influence in that area I want to read to you again the What's stated in regards to what that particular Harvard study produced or showed? um, And also what we all know as well, but I want to read to you in light of that uh, What we've uh, read in the past from protocol number 14 article 5 sentences 1 2 where it says In countries known as progressive and enlightened, we have created a senseless, filthy, abominable literature. For some time after our entrance to power, we shall continue to encourage its existence in order to provide a telling relief by contrast to the speeches, party program, which will be distributed from uh, from exalted quarters of ours. Now, somebody, of course, would think, well. Or ask the question did TV even exist in 1897? of course they probably wouldn't ask the question hopefully they know that. Well of course it didn't, but it was a natural step to take their abominable filthy literature from the magazine to the TV and the movie screen. It was just a natural step and especially when they controlled both are all areas. It was so natural and so even the protocols forewarned of what we have on the TV screens and on, in and through our movies today. The TV medium also, has been a strong promoter of alcohol. Studies have shown that television characters drink 3.5 times per hour on television, four times an hour during prime time. For every time coffee is consumed on TV, alcohol is consumed 10 times. For every time that milk is consumed, alcohol is consumed 44 times. And for every time that water is consumed on television, alcohol is consumed 48 times. And So you can see and again, all, all these uh, these studies that have been done, they just testify or give us the figures to what we already know if you've watched any TV recently. You know or over the last 20, 30 years, we know what's going on in the TV screen if you watch it or turn it on at all. Also in regards to to uh, that last or the studies that have been that have dealt with uh, the influence on or the promotion of alcohol. Listen to Protocol Number One. Uh, protocol Number One, Article 22, and Sentences 1 and 3. It says Behold, the alcoholized animals, bemused with drink, the right to an immoderate use of which comes along with freedom. It is not for us and ours to walk that road. The peoples of the Goyim are bemused with alcoholic liquors their youth has grown stupid on classicism and from early immorality into which it has been inducted by our special agents by tutors lackeys governesses in the houses of the wealthy by clerks and others by our women in the places of dissipation frequented by the goyim you know that didn't uh, you, you if you take note of how they said they would do that how they would alcoholize our children and immoralize our children that Happened they said only in the rich, but they found a very unique way to get in their governesses and their tutors And their lackeys and so forth and so on into every home no matter what the uh, the income of the family might be Only the rich could afford those in the past But almost anybody can afford a TV where they can have their twoties and their lackeys and their governesses teach them And and promote their lifestyles to their to the to each family's children You know even t- uh, the televisions, the the whole, the whole concept of television, the screen, the mechanics, even the TVs, televisions, inventor, the Russian-born Z- uh, Zaworkin, and I'm not sure of what nationality he was, but at age 85, he even testified to the fact that television of television's corruptness when he said, "Quote, television could be of terrific value for human human purposes. It could help bring world peace, but it is not used that way. There is too much violence, too much crime. People are hypnotized." By by it, they look at it all the time. It's contaminating our society from what he said I would suspect that he'd just as soon wish that he'd never created it Now follow with me in this reasoning that I want to share with you especially in light of of Those statistics that show the effect the leavening effect that television is having upon American families today And what you already know yourselves follow with me and follow with me in this line of reasoning if the leaven of the Pharisees Is their teaching which it is and their teaching comes from the Talmud which it does and if the Pharisees evolved into what today we know or call Jews and they did and if the modern-day Jews for the most part control television which they do then doesn't it stand to reason that what we're being programmed with through television programming is the teachings and the philosophies of the Talmud. It stands to reason, if that, if everything that I said was true, and it was, that that is the case, that we are being pro- programmed with the teachings and the philosophies of the Talmud through our TV screens, our TV programming. Now let me just state it clear as a bell. What we have, for the most part, on our television screens is nothing but Talmud propaganda and filth. Made mixed in occasionally with some with a little goodness and truth But that's what it is. We are being leavened by its effect by the effect of the Pharisees that Yahshua warned about in his day and age You know, it's so filthy Um, I can't in good conscience uh, With my children at the age that they are here in this audience Read any of the quotes from the Talmud to you to prove that that's where all this is coming from But you know as well you've heard the quotes before you know what the Talmud says about our Lord and Savior You know what the Talmud promotes against Christianity You know what the Talmud promotes between men and little boys and men and little girls and all the rest that it says And it's exactly what is coming out through our TV screens Now let me ask you Is America being influenced by the company? She's been keeping Let me ask another question. Does God's word lie? Bad company corrupts good morals. There's no way around it. That's a law. We cannot keep company with bad company and expect our morals to remain as pure as they were before we kept the company with them. America is in the state she is because of the company she's keeping, not just in that area, but in a lot of other areas as well. Now, let me state, I am not one of those who are going to sit up here behind the pulpit and tell you that you absolutely have to get rid of the TV machine out of your household. I've been in that place in my past. I've been in churches that taught, taught it that way, and for a lot of times, most of the times, for the wrong reasons. I'm not going to tell you that, but I'm going to tell you something, that if you can't control it, you'd better get rid of it. And there aren't many people today who can control it. And I find myself having sometimes trouble with that, and there's times when I just got to turn it off and say, we're not going to watch it. Just going to sit there you'd better decide before you turn it on exactly what you're going to ro- watch Find out if it's a program that's worth watching and there's very 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 little on the television screen that is So keep that in mind Let me share with you now. I asked the question is America being influenced by the company? She's keeping now. I could and I'm, I don't think I'll take the time to do so Again because of my children being in the audience, but I could give you example after example. Here's uh, there's one in uh, I don't have the name of this particular uh, newspaper, but there's there's an example in that. There's uh, several examples in this Reader's Digest Digest article entitled TV violence the shocking new evidence where they give examples of young people and and even adults who have been influenced into acts of violence and and uh, Immorality because of what they viewed in the TV screen Uh, Another one here's one five-year-old allegedly stabs girl after watching horror movies and it goes into the details of Different situations like that that I could share with you that prove the fact that TV is Influencing us bad company corrupts good morals But let me instead of doing that. Let me share with you uh, Just some admissions by them that it is happening and some very powerful admissions again I give credit to uh, James Brueggemann Uh, In his book being able to glean these from his book. Here's one from Stephen Jacobson in a book entitled mind control in the United States He said at one point quote. It is possible to program an entire population to respond to certain words Images and expressions with certainty the result of such programming is a population that is highly suggestible suggestible a population that can be manipulated with great precision. A population that can be manipulated with great precision. End quote. Isn't that the whole point of the, town of, of the protocols of the learned elders of Zion? Almost everything in there is for that purpose. Here's another one from Dr. Rose K. Goldson, a professor of sociology at Cornell University. She said, quote, TV is more than just a little fun and entertainment. It's whole environment and what it does bears an unpleasant resemblance to behavior modification on a mass scale end quote one more Jerry Mander, In a book entitled four arguments for the elimination of television He says quote television is an experience that can be uh, Had by virtually everyone at the same time with all people Let me Read my writing here with all people confined to the same mental and physical condition, a single advertising or political voice appropriate to the common mood can influence everyone. Once diversity of experience is reduced to television, a relative handful, a relative handful of people can control everyone's awareness." End quote. And he also said, by focusing people on events well outside Their lives television encourages passivity and inaction in that regards remember once again what protocol number 13 article 3 sentence 4 and 5 says Where it says in order that the masses themselves may not guess what they are about we further listen to the description here Written in 1897 you'll see what it describes today They may they didn't know that it could be used in this fashion, but listen to the description in Order that the masses themselves may not guess what they are about. We further distract them with amusements games pastimes passions People's palaces then it goes on soon. We shall begin through the press to s- propose competitions in art in sports of all kinds These entrants will finally distract their minds from questions in which we should find ourselves compelled to oppose them Man, 1897 they described TV Uh, perfectly (coughs) That was definitely a description of TV even though it wasn't in it uh, uh, Invented then let me give you another description of TV a description of TV at another time at an earlier time Matter of fact almost 2,000 years earlier when it of course hadn't been invented either Remember the definitions I shared with you when I first started the series the definitions given by a couple commentators on Levin Listen again. Listen to McGarvey's this is from McGarvey's four, four, fourfold gospel. He says quote leaven Which answered to modern yeast was a symbol of secret penetrating pervasive influence? Usually of a corrupting nature and then especially the one from Barnes notes where he said Barnes notes puts it this way. He says quote leaven and then he says it passes secretly Silently, but certainly. None can see its progress. So it was with the doctrine of the Pharisees. Now, listen to this last part, especially in regards to television. They were insinuating, artful, plausible. They concealed the real tendency of their doctrine. They instilled them secretly into the mind, and they pervaded all the faculties like leaven. Again, another perfect description of television today in, in the in the, in the description of what leaven was from the quote, or from the warning that Joshua gave us when he said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now I don't know if you noticed but there was one word that uh, came up in both of those definitions it was the word pervasive. Pervade is uh, defined by Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary as to become diffused throughout every part of. That's the word for pervade, pervasion was a, was, or pervasive was a word that both Barnes and McGarvey both used in regards to the leavening effect. Now, what do you think it is that the enemies of Christ, well, let me say this first, when you think of pervading or to be diffused through every part of, in order for that to happen, it also has to take over or it has to supplant or substitute whatever is there before. Now, in relation to that, what do you think it is that the enemies of Christ want to supplant with their leaven. What do you think it is? What is their leaven? The teachings of, of what? Their religion. And somebody said, man, you're going to see how, how right that is in just a minute. The teachings of their religion is what we are being fed through the, media, through, uh, the media medium of television today. Their religion, if they want to pervade us, With their religion, they have to substitute or they have to supplant something else. What do you think it is? Don't you think it's the religion that they want to destroy? Here's a little poem that I think probably sums it up real well. Um, It's called The Bible and TV Guide. Keep in mind that TV Guide provides the programming for the Talmud, for the most part. Indeed, what I've shared with you is the truth, and indeed it is. So, keep that in mind as I share with you this little poem called The Bible and the TV Guide. On the table, side by side, the Holy Bible and the TV Guide. One is well-worn but cherished with pride. Not the Bible, but the TV Guide. One is used daily to help folks decide, No, it isn't the Bible, it's the TV Guide. As pages are turned, what shall they see? Or what does it matter? Turn on the TV. Then confusion reigns, they can't all agree On what they shall watch on the old TV. So they open the book in which they confide. No, not the Bible, but the TV Guide. The Word of God is seldom read. Maybe a verse ere they fall into bed. Exhausted and sleepy, and tired as can be, not from reading the Bible, from watching TV. So then back to the table side by side is the Holy Bible and the TV Guide. No time for prayer, no time for the Word. The plan of salvation is seldom heard. Forgiveness of sin so full and free is found in the Bible, not on TV. Well, how well that depicts America today. of fact, America today, they're giving America the benefit of the doubt that even think of the Bible and read a verse. For the majority, that's not even the case, but they certainly read to be And thus in doing, and as they watch their programs, they're being influenced and loving by the sects of the Talmud. What are they doing? They're taking their religion and they're supplanting the religion of the Goyim. Religion, specifically of Israel, taking from them their religion, the religion of Christ, their God, and and supplanting it and and leavening in their own. Don Wildman, head of the National Federation of uh, Decency, tells what it is that bothers him about TV, or at least it did at one point. He said, "Quote: There is not a single program that shows a contemporary nuclear family where they have their own children, where they are not something other than normal." and where they have a meaningful relationship to a church, end quote. Better, maybe it would have been better said, a meaningful relationship with God. That was in the Tulsa wor- Word, August 16, 1981. How much more so ten years later, as we have it today. You know, and let me ask you, when was the last time that uh, you saw anything about fundamental Christianity that was put in a good light on the television? You're like me, I can't remember a time. I can't re- ever remember a time. Except maybe way back when I was a little, little type. There's been nothing in the years when my memory is best. Especially since becoming a Christian, when I'd be most alert to it. Somebody might say, oh, yeah, well, they put Billy Graham on. Matter of fact, he was just on this week, wasn't he? Well, don't you think that's by their design as well? When you've got a false prophet, Judeo Christian. Up there preaching a false doctrine and plan of salvation along with everything else that he teaches certainly not put in a good light in this day and age well why well because simple 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 answer why would they why would they want to plant the religion of Christianity with their own simply because their design their agenda as I've proven in so many other messages is to destroy Christianity and at the same time promote their own religion. It's just a simple answer. Listen to Dr. James Hitchcock in what he said in his book entitled, What is Secular Humanism? He said, quote, television has been by far its, talking about secular humanism, again, television has been by far its chief disseminator. It would be almost impossible to overestimate its influence, influence, end quote. We say, well, that's about secular humanism. What's that have to do with Judaism? What's that have to do with the Jews today who control uh, uh, the medium of, of television? Well, who is it that controls, or who is it that is the originator of secular humanism? If you remember in the series, No Thine Enemy, I, I showed and proved there thoroughly that, it is the, that secular humanism is the religion of the Jews first. That is Talmudism. I wish I'd have had this quote as well. Quote as well, at that time. It's by another Jew by the name by the name of uh, initial I Rennap in a book he wrote entitled Anti-Semitism and the Jewish Question. Listen to what he says. Quote: The Talmud was one of the greatest, or excuse me, one of the great intellectual springs from which liberal humanism drew its drew its substance. End quote. He admits but the Talmud is the whole basis for the religion of secular humanism and according to Hitchcock the the television has been the biggest promoter of secular humanism the proof is there that what they are promoting is their religion let me share with you why reasons why television is probably what it is today why it is in the state that it's in today, this is from, these will be findings from, a, from the Litcher and Rothman research team, as found in the American Family Association's journal, January 8, 1989. It begins, the title is What Hollywood Believes and Wants. Uh, the first paragraph beg- begins Who are the creators of TV entertainment? What are their backgrounds? What do they think about uh, American society? And how do they react to the criticisms leveled against their product? To find out, the research team of Linda S. Litcher, Robert Litcher, and Stanley Rothman, by the way, who are all Jews, interviewed 104, 104 of Hollywood's most influential television writers, producers, and executives as a, as a part of a larger study of elite groups of the '80s. The 104 individuals interviewed in 1982 represent the cream of television's creative community. The tables and excerpts below are a summary of the findings. Now, I won't share them all, but let me share some of them that I think you'll find of interest begins, TV elite attitudes on social issues. And then they have four columns, strongly agree, agree, disagree, and strongly disagree. Here's one, under economics, government should redistribute income. Strongly agree, 24%. Agree, 45%. Again, I share these with you just to get you to have an idea of the, men, the, the, the uh, mentality of those who are behind uh, and their backgrounds who are behind TV today. Here's under under the heading, disadvantaged groups. Uh, Women are better off at home. Disagree, 17%. Strongly disagree, 75%. Blacks should get preference in hiring. Agree, 39%, which was the majority. Whites uh, whites and non-whites should not marry. Disagree, 23%. Strongly disagree, 62%. And I'll guarantee as a result of that you will see more of that being pushed more and more interracial marriage and you will see more of it as society is able to, to handle it. Again, under sex and uh, morality women, has a, women woman has a right to decide on abortion. Strongly agree 91%. Agree 6%. That's a total of 97% in agreement. Homosexuality is wrong. 49% strongly disagree. 31% uh, uh, disagree. Homosexuals from, should not teach in schools, 66% strongly disagree, 20% disagree, Under uh, and then under a new heading of backgrounds of the TV elite. Uh, from metropolitan areas, 82% of them, and that should be of no surprise when you know who uh, the majority are who control uh, uh, the TV, uh, who the TV moguls are and uh, how they disdain uh, anything but metropolitan areas. So 82% come from metropolitan areas. Father voted Democratic with 68%. Raised in Jewish religion, 59%. Raised in a Catholic religion, 12%. Raised in a Protestant religion, only 25%. Family income, I threw this one in just for interest, family income of 200000 plus, 63% political, that's their families, not themselves, 60, uh, excuse me, political liberal, 75%, religion none at the time, though so they were, may have been raised, 44%, and regular, regular churchgoers were only 7%. Then in a new heading, TV elite attitudes on TV entertainment. TV should promote social reform. Strongly agree, uh, 21%, agree, 45%. I hope you caught that. TV should promote social reform. It is a means of their promoting their agendas. Also, TV is too critical of traditional values. Disagree, 32%. Strongly disagree, 56%. And then one more. There's too much sex on TV. Disagree, 32%. Strongly disagree, 38%. And that just gives you an idea. Now, by the way, and I should share this, there were some things where the majority would have or did vote uh, on the better side of things. But, but those, for the most part, those examples give you a good view of the people, the, the elite of television who are behind it all and what, why they are programming uh, uh, American society through their programs the way that they are. Now, um, obviously, with its time remaining, I also need to, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to, I need to cover the theater in Hollywood. Um, as well. Really, I don't need to to add a whole lot more to it, because theatre and Hollywood are just natural extensions of what we find on the television screen, or vice versa, one way or the other. What's been said about TV thus far, uh, for the most part, can also be said about Hollywood, um, about theatres and Hollywood. Let me start, and this is a a quote I already shared with you because of its uh, effect uh, regarding media. I shared with him one of the earlier messages but it also had something said about the theater and I'll use this as my only quote this is Rabbi Reichhorn again at the funeral, his funeral oration for Grand Rabbi Simeon Ben Uda in 1869 he said quote the other great power is the press the repeating excuse me by repeating without cessation certain ideas the press succeeds in the end in having them accepted as actuality for example the holocaust and it's it enough and people accept it as being true. The theater renders us analogous ser- services everywhere. The press and theater obey our orders. And I'll just use that to, to, to prove the point that even in 1869 they were claiming that the theater belonged to them. Let's look now at Hollywood. Hollywood specifically, when I say that, speaking about the movies. Is it Jewish-dominated? Well, according to Burt Reynolds, it is. I just received this, as a matter of fact, uh, on Friday. And uh, I'm not sure what the date is on this. It begins by saying last fall, so I'm not sure which last fall it was. But it says last fall when Burt Reynolds appeared on The Tonight Show, he said, quote, it's amazing how many directors and producers there are that are Jewish, end quote. Now, we know that the TV screens sometimes like to bleep things. Anymore, it's getting less and less. They're allowing more things through. But guess what part of that statement they bleep? NBC bleeps the word Jewish. And he bleeped it out. They didn't want people to know. But of course, that was just their modesty, right? Well, Burt Reynolds thinks that Hollywood is Jewish-controlled. Is it true? Well, let me share some Jewish admissions with you. Uh, that's up here. This is from an article entitled, A Real Case Against the Jews. One of them points out the full depth of their gr- guilt by Marcus Eli Rabbit. It was found in the Century Monthly magazine in 1928. If you ever want to read Jewish propaganda, boy, that, this article is, is a masterpiece at it. But he does state, and you can even maybe pick up some of his, some of his dialectics in this one paragraph. He says, he says, You make much noise and fury about the undue Jewish influence in your theaters and movie palaces. Very good. Granted, your complaint, complaint is well-founded. So he's saying there's a question about it. But then listen to what he next says. In his admission, he says, But what is that compared to our staggering influences in your churches, your schools, your laws and your governments and the very thoughts you think every day? And he he continually does that throughout this whole article. He he takes it away and then he admits it in another form. He says, Yeah, it's there. But we even influence in greater ways in your churches and schools and so forth and so on. So there's an admission, in a roundabout way, there's an admission by Marcus Eli Ravid, Rabbi Rabbids that they uh, do control uh, Hollywood. Here's another one, uh, as uh, found in the Jewish Post, uh, an article entitled "Jews Dominate Hollywood." This is in the, this was found in the Jewish Post. "Quote: Jews dominate in Hollywood today as they did in the in- industry's in- infancy, in the acting, directing, and producing departments." Tom Tugin writers. Right in the Jewish Chronicle of London on the whole he asserts the Jewish presence in Hollywood is taken as an historic fact of life and few insensit- sensitivities are aroused by the number influence or character of Jews in the movie industry a little bit later he says as for those Jews at the top Tungin Lewis Ted Ashley at Warner Brothers Gordon T. Solberg at 20th Century Fox Frank Rosenfeld and Dan Melnick at MGM David Begelman at Columbia, Lou Wasserman and Jennings Lang at Universal Pictures, and Charles Bolden and Robert Evans at Paramount. Moving over into the realm of the producers and directors, Tungin says, the majority are Jewish, while the Writers Guild is practically a Semitic clothes shop. Semitic, we put in quotes. Uh, Semitic clothes shop, with Jews making up roughly 70 to 80% of the membership. He also mentioned several actors as, uh, in that particular article is being being uh, Jewish, let me just share some with you that you may not have known that's also in this periodical that that reprint is found in, um, many of them w- which have changed their names. Eddie Albert, for example, used to be Eddie Heim- Heimberger, Lauren Bacall with Joan Persky, Jack Benny, Benny Krabesky, Milton Burrell, and I won't repeat their, their original Jewish names, but let me just go through some of these. Milton Burrell. Ernest Borgnine, George Burns, Gene Berry, Tony Curtis, Kirk Douglas, Charles Bronson, Sid Charisse, Joan Crawford, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., Zha-Zha, Zha-Zha Gabor, uh, Judy Garland, Cary Grant, Lauren Green, Jill St. John, Gypsy Rose Lee, Al Jolson, Danny Kaye, Dorothy L'Amour, Michael Landon. Let me give you his, uh, his Jewish... You never, you never expect maybe Michael Landon to be Jewish, especially with a Little House in the Prairie. Michael Landon's original name was Mike, Mike Orowitz. Uh, also, Steve Lawrence, Jan- Janet Lee, Jerry Lewis, Carl Malden, Ethel Merman, Tony Randall, Edward G. Robinson, Dinah Shore, Shelley Winters, Keenan Wynn, and Rona Barrett. And uh, another whole list, Natalie Wood, Peter Fox, Dustin Hoffman, Henry Winkler, Jack Klugman, Paul Newman, Betty Grable, Richard Dreyfuss, Sid Caesar, on and on and on. And uh, that's probably only half of them, half, those names that, half the names that were listed, I don't even know. So I didn't think I'd share them with you. But you can see by that, that the big majority... Not only is the control in their hands, but the biggest majority of the Jews, the ones that are getting the work, are Jewish as well. So, Hollywood is just as permeated. Not only that, but recently, a book that documents it all. That's called An Empire of Their Own that is subtitled How the Jews Invented Hollywood by Jew Neil Gabler. Let me just read... Just uh, one paragraph in the introduction that I think says it quite well. It says, The, be- the book begins, as Hollywood itself did, with something of a paradox. The paradox is that, it is that the American film industry, which Will Hayes, president of the original motion picture producers and distributors of America, called, quote, the quintessence of what we mean by America, end quote was founded and for more than 30 years operated by Eastern European Jews who themselves seemed to be anything but the quintessence of America." That's this Neil Gaver's comment. Goes on, the much-vaunted studio system which provided a prodigious supply of films during the movie's heyday was supervised by a second generation of Jews, many of whom also regarded themselves as marginal men trying to punch into the American mainstream. The storefront theaters in the late teens were transformed into movie palaces of the 20s by Jewish exhibitors, and when sound movies commandeered the industry, Hollywood was invaded by a battalion of Jewish writers, mostly from the East. The most powerful talent agencies were run by Jews. Jewish lawyers transacted most of the industry's business, and Jewish doctors ministered to the industry's sick. Above all, Jews produced the movies, quote, quote within this quote, of 85 names engaged in production, end quote. A 1936 study showed, quote, 53 are Jews, and the Jewish advantage holds in prestige as well as numbers. End quote. And then it says all of which led F. Scott Fitzgerald to characterize Hollywood carpingly as, quote, a Jewish holiday, a Gentile tragedy. End quote. A great description. And then there's uh, 502 pages in that book of documentation and in fact. Hollywood belongs to the Jews. Uh let me try like off here and if I can cover what I need to cover. Here's something I think you'll find interesting. Now this is a gleaning god of scriptures, one of scriptures for America's newsletters. It says no one ever wrote nastier things about anti Semites than Jewish novelist and screen screenwriter Ben Heck. See, especially his 1944 book, A Guide for the Bedeviled, yet Heck has described the Jewish-run American film industry as an eruption of trash that has lamed the American mind and retarded Americans from becoming cultured peoples, that was in quotes, and added that the movies quote, have slipped into the American mind more misinformation in one evening than the Dark Ages could muster in a decade, end quote. Nice for Ben Heck to say that. almost seems like he's on our side. Remember, he he has never said nastier. No one, they say, has said nastier things about anti-Semites than this man. It's also interesting that uh, this same man, Ben Hecht, is hailed in the Jewish Encyclopedia, Volume Five, on page 288, as uh, as a great author and movie producer who, quote, from the Jewish Encyclopedia, had a fabulous mind, was a romantic realist a talented genius who displayed a profound humanity toward Jewish causes." Uh, end quote. Now, here is this great man who said all this, he admits all this, but listen to what he had to say in his book, A Jew in Love. The Jewish Encyclopedia says, here was a fabulous mind, a romantic realist, a talented genius who displayed a profound humanity toward Jewish causes he writes himself in A Jew in Love, quote, one of the finest thing ever done by the mob was the truth of fiction of Christ. Intellectually, it was a splendid gesture. But trust the mob to bungle. If I had had charge of executing Christ, I'd have handled it different, differently. You see, what I'd have done was had him shipped to Rome and said to the lions, they never could have made a savior out of misnake. End quote. But well, he admits what's going on but can you see why? Can you see when this is one of the men that they lost as one of the greats of their, of their industry? And that's what he believes about Christ. Why there is so much anti-Christian bias uh, provided in television and even more so in the movies today, which is certainly has been evidenced probably in its fullness in the recent movie, The Last Temptation of Christ. And let me ask you, where do you think the script came from for that movie? Well, let me share with you from an article found in the Christian News September 19 1988 put out by the Lutheran it's an article entitled last temptation ghost writer excuse me last temptation ghost written by the ancient rabbis of Israel this is what it says the last temptation was not really written by a greek it was ghost written by the ancient rabbis of Israel the same ones who crucified our lord tried to exterminate the fledgling church in the first century and have been trying to finish the job ever since," says an urgent report this month from the National Prayer Network in Oregon City, Oregon. It goes on a little bit later. Consider these facts. Although the original author of The Last Temptation, Nikos Kazantisakis, was Greek, the two most powerful figures behind this movie, Lou Wasserman, president of MCA, owner of Universal Studios, which produced the film, and Sidney Steinberg, president of MCA, are Jewish, Gary Goldstein, Head of National Promotion and Field Operations for MCA, is also Jewish. Then it says later, The Babylonian Talmud is the most authoritative source of Jewish legends and traditions concerning Christ. The Talmud is a vast compendium of Pharisaical oral law and tradition which was written down nearly 1,500 years ago. Its teachings, which accurately reflect the beliefs of the ancient Pharisees, are a greater authority to modern religious Jews than the Bible itself. Compare essential points from the last temptation of Christ with the Talmud. The notice then compares what the last temptation says about Jesus Christ with what the Talmud, which Jews regard as their highest religious authority, teaches about Christ. They notice from, excuse me, the notice from the National Prayer Network states in the column on what the Talmud says about Christ. I don't have time to to share those quotes with you, but um, it shows that uh, several quotes or at least the movie and its intent and what it shows can be taken right back to the Talmud and what the Talmud itself taught about Christ. You can't tell me all these people can say that that movie wasn't an anti-Semite production. They can say it all they weren't, but facts are facts. It came right from the Talmud and the Jews were behind the promotion of it, even if a Greek was the one who originally wrote the book. That is the cake. And in light of that, consider Second Peter chapter 2 first three verses and it's a, I want you to consider it in a whole different light because it's in a light that we never look at before but I want you to consider it in light of the time that it was written who, Paul, who Peter, as he wrote these first three re- verses of this, of this chapter to, to the Israelites who he had in mind when he wrote it and who possibly in a new life who we should have in mind as we read it as well He said, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly induce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. What a perfect description. Of what is accomplished uh, with movies like The Last Temptation of Christ and so much else that goes on in Hollywood today. You know, the Bible gives us a perfect description of modern day Hollywood, uh, the theater and television programming. If you go to Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, I'm just going to give you the verses because we don't have time, we're running out of time. Or let's go ahead, I think I've got time. We're going to finish this off in time. Romans, listen to this description. The Bible itself gives us a description, a perfect description, of modern-day Hollywood, the theater and television programming in this particular passage, starting with verse 29 of Romans 1. It says, "...being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, unworthy, unloving, and unmerciful." there was ever a description of modern-day television in Hollywood, there it is. But you know, not only does Paul here give us a perfect description of Hollywood television in the theater, but he also, in the very next verse, gives a perfect description, sad to say, of most of modern-day Christianity today. Because it says, And although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who do practice them. And That is what most of Christian regretfully, not only is, not only the non-Christian part of or element of America, but most of Christian today, is sitting in front of that boob tube watching Dallas or whatever else it may be, and they have no business doing so, getting or party approval for those who practice such things. There are many effects I think can be uh, certainly seen in this statement again from the Jews in the London Jewish Chronicle. August 6, 1948, a Jewish correspondent admits most of the persons who have cudgeled their wits uh, over the problem have relegated one of the most obvious impacts on American, lo- American life Jews have made in the mass entertainment media, radio, films, the stage, nightclubs. One might almost say that America culture as a whole has taken on certain Jewish overtones. Why? Because the 11 of the Pharisees. How do we destroy it? Simple answer. It just takes salt. You add salt into your leaven and your bread, and what happens? It destroys the leaven and the bread. Christ said we're to be the salt of the earth. All you have to do to destroy the leaven is add more salt. In light of that, in in Matthew 5 and verse 20,